Hey ladies, welcome to our No Bad Day Simple Wellness for Women show. I am Jolene Fisher, your host, and every episode of the No Bad Day show will give you a view into the life of another woman, and she will share her stories, her triumphs, her struggles, and the lessons that she's learned along her path. And my goal as your host is to give you topics that are really relevant and encouraging, and because I want to do this to inspire you, to inspire you to be the hero of your own story, and this is why I introduce you to brave women doing hard things. And today we are talking to a woman, her name is Julia Salazar, and she's a physical therapist and owner at Core Pelvic Physical Therapy in Spokane, Washington. Julia's goal is to give you back the freedom that you so deserve so that you can focus on doing the things you love. She has been treating pelvic floor dysfunction since 2010. And in this interview, you'll learn all the cool things she can do for you with that. And uh, we'll go into that later because there's quite a few fun and interesting facts that <laughs> I never knew about. <laughs> so another thing about Julia is that she is really well known in this area. She's very rare in the Spokane area. So if you live here, she, you just need to know that she is one of 22 providers in the state of Washington that is board certified in women's health. So that's a big deal. She recently gave a speech to the Boomer Generation titled, Leaking May Be Common But Is Never Normal. And so if you think that your leaking is normal, she has something to say about that today. And with that, we would like to welcome Julia to the show. And we're so excited to have you here, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. I'm out of your busy schedule to do this for us. And we had a little technical difficulties on live. So we are recording this and we'll be posting it later. But I just wanted to start off the interview. I always start out my interviews like this because I want to know, and other gals kind of want to know where you're from, what's your background. Just give us a little insight into who you are and your family. Um, so I was born and raised in Montana, uh, born in Butte about middle school, moved to Great Falls. Uh, my family is still there. Uh, I'm one of five kids and I'm the only one that has moved out of Montana. Not too far though. Um, I came here for PT school. That's what brought me to Spokane the first time. Uh, my husband was stationed here as well. So he's in the Air Force uh, and he's a pilot. So me and him met right when I was getting out of PT school. We dated for about a year and then we got married and we got orders pretty much as soon as we said I do. And we moved to Sacramento, California. Um, it was a hard move. I, I mean, moving to Spokane was hard enough for me. So then once we moved there, um, we had no family again. I had just found out I was pregnant with our first. And uh, yeah, he went about doing his business there. Uh, as a pilot, he's coming and going frequently. So it's, it's on me to be very independent. Um, but down there, I found a clinic in downtown Sacramento called East Sac Physical Therapy. And it's a husband and wife who own it. They're both PTs. And they have specialized in pelvic floor dysfunction. And I saw them there and I just called them up and I was like, hey, I'm an hour away, but I hear such great things about you and I love the work that you do. You know, do you have room for me? And they opened their arms and they brought me in and they were the best mentors that I could have had for the three years that I worked there. Um, I learned so much from them. Uh, they're very well known in that community. Uh, we... Like I said, all we saw was pelvic floor dysfunction and we were booked out for months in advance because people would drive hours to come see us. Um, she uh, introduced me to a lot of uh, very important pelvic floor therapists. 
So I got to learn from them. We went to plenty of courses. Uh, then I had my second child down there too. Um, and then we were lucky enough to get stationed back here. So ultimately we wanted to come back to Spokane. Uh, it was close to my family. I love it here. Um, I'm Montana, so I love the outdoors. Um, but I like the bigger city feel too. Uh, so we came back here and I worked for a couple of years and I was kind of disappointed in the area that there wasn't a clinic that specifically specialized in this. That's also when I decided that I needed to let people know, one, how important it was, and two, how I was different. Um, that was one of the things I ran into when I was trying to talk to providers was they pretty much were like, why should we believe you? Like, what makes you different? So I decided that I needed to make myself stand out. So I decided to study for the uh, boards. They test once a year. Um, you have to apply, which is a pretty rigorous application. You have to have, what is it? Um, like, mm, forget how many exact hours, but if you do the math, it's working 40 hours in that field for a year. And before you can apply, you have to submit a case report uh, on a patient that you've treated. Then you have to, you know, back it with research of why you did what you did and then what the outcome was. Um, and from there, gosh, they give you a study guide, you pay your money, and then once a year you sit for an eight-hour test. So I luckily, I conned a girlfriend into doing it with me, and she's on the west side of the state though. So um, yeah, we met, we FaceTimed every weekend and kept each other accountable and studied when we could. We both have children, so we did what we could. And then a year later I sat and three months after that, I found out both of us actually passed. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was, it was very, it was, it was nice. It was very nice. And so now when I go talk to providers, they're like, what makes you different? And I can tell them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's, yep. it's kind of just sad that you had to do that anyways, to stand out because what you do matters and that will right. come in time, right? As you educate the public and you get things out there, the word out there that this is important and you have enough clients in Spokane that see the results and, and will say you know, what you're doing for them, that word will get around eventually. But yeah, yes. the thing that I'm hearing in your story so far is just your tenaciousness. Like you are a tenacious <laughs> woman, like to travel one hour each direction just to go to a physical therapy office that you really believed in and wanted to work for and they opened their doors to you and you worked there for three years while you had a kid and had a second kid like mm -hmm. that's that's amazing what drove you to really just be this tenacious in your life in general um gosh i my parents did a great job they taught me that you know once you put your mind to something like you can do it like don't put barriers in your way, like find a way to break them down, whatever barrier it is. Okay. Then find the solution. And I just have always done that. I played sports growing up and that helped. Um, you have to learn how to lose and then get up from it and do better next time. Um, so that really helped. And then the support, like my husband supported me amazingly. Uh, you know, he had to pick up my slack essentially from driving my commute and, um, it was a little bit of money, you know, we had to get a nanny because there was no daycare that was going to fit those hours for us. Um, yeah, so it was just a lot, the people around me, my family, my friends, they're very supportive, very positive people. And it's very easy then to achieve your goal if you surround yourself with the right people. Oh yeah. I'm, I preach that. Like, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> people you surround yourself with and the books that you're reading and the things that you're um, telling your mind and, and inputting in there really shape who you are and what you're capable of doing. Right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So on that note, um, one of my questions for you was, who is the one person that's really truly shaped your life into what it is today? And this is the one question I was kind of dreading. <laughs> um, I've had a lot of influences for different aspects. Um, for the PT career field, it was truly my boss in Sacramento. Um, she was amazing. She had four kids of her own. She was, she was living the life that I wanted to live. She was helping all these people. Um, her job was so fulfilling. Her family life was so fulfilling. So definitely career-wise, like I, I look up to her for that one. Yeah. Um, for who I am, I, my dad played a huge part in that. Um, he, he kind of, you know, spoke to us and really never got down on us when we made a mistake, but taught us how to learn from it. And so it just really put some good, I guess, moral boundaries on me, if you will, like they just how to take care of yourself and how to be independent and not to necessarily rely on anybody. My husband is definitely my partner, but you know, if I want something, I need to be willing to do something to get it. Right, awesome, I love it. So tell us a little bit about, I know you said in Sacramento, that's a little bit of the background and the story as to what brought you into women's health and mm -hmm. pelvic floor. So now that you got thousands of hours doing that in Sacramento, you took the boards, now you start your own business here. How long have you been in business and tell oh my us gosh. about that? I opened my doors July 1. Um, and actually, I am so thrilled. I have been open, you know, or everybody has like opened their arms to me. I've done, I've tried to do really well about just networking, getting out in the community, educating the community, um, educating anybody that really wants to listen. Because uh, that's half the battle is they just don't know what I can do. Um, they don't know that there's treatments out there for it. Uh, and so I've been doing that and things have been going wonderfully. I've had great outpourings from so many people, so many women's groups from that Boomer um, health group. Like it was great. Good. Yeah. And at the Boomer convention, you talked about leaking as a main issue for people. And, and yes. you said that like 10% of all of us at any age range will probably have leakage issues at some yes. point in our lives. So enlighten <laughs> us more about the talk that you gave to the boomers. Cause I, <laughs> I downloaded the whole speech, but I want to <laughs> straight from you and I, and I, you don't have to go through all of it, but yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that isn't normal and, and why, why isn't it normal? What's going right. on? Right. Yeah. So everybody thinks it's normal cause it is so common and it is, but common does not mean normal. Um, you know, I even hear this too. Oh, I have, I've had kids, you know how it is. I just leak now when I, you know, laugh or sneeze or, oh, I don't go to the jump, you know, trampoline park anymore. Well, you can, you just have to get those muscles back working. You tell everybody when we age, um, even if you haven't had children, I give a talk out at Eastern to the athletic trainers. And one of my biggest things is 35% of those college athletes have some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. Those people have usually never had children, but yet they have pain or leaking. And it's just a muscle dysfunction. Um, you know, the pelvic floor is just, is made up of muscle. And that's why it's a physical therapist, um, you know, in our scope of practice and why we're the experts on it. 
but yeah, as we age, you know, uh, menopause is a huge factor. You lose blood flow to those muscles. That's what keeps them big, you know, nice and strong. Um, so you can, we can do a bunch of things to counteract that as well. And some of it is we were never taught. I know I wasn't how to do a pelvic floor contraction or a Kegel correctly. Your doctor always asks you, do you know how to do it? Squeeze? Can you? And everybody's like, yeah, sure. You don't have the time to teach it. That is the hardest part of my job is teaching that and to do it correctly. Because you got to be able to squeeze and lift and breathe and talk and move because um, that's life. So a lot of what I teach is how to do it correctly. That's the starting point. And then also how to relax. Um, my college athletes, those are the ones that it's not weakness that's the problem. It's that they can never relax. Um, so they get frustrated because instead of hitting the gym and do all these weight trainings, I'm telling them, do some deep breathing, do some meditation, do some yoga. And it's really hard for them to switch that lifestyle. Right. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what the pelvic floor actually is and what it functions, what it does. So the pelvic floor is essentially anything in between the legs. So your hips, your pelvis, you know, those are the strong bones there. Well, everything at the bottom is a hammock and those muscles come together to be your pelvic floor. So they hold everything up and in, holds all the abdominal contents up. It also acts as um, an outlet. So it allows you to eliminate bowel and bladder, but it also keeps you continent. So it's going to keep you dry if you can use it correctly. Um, yeah, and it's the it's the one of the four elements of the core. So when everybody says work your core, it's pelvic floor, it's your transverse abdominis, it's the you know the multifidi right along the spine, and then it's your diaphragm. And you got to be able to work all four components together in order to have a healthy system. If one of them isn't working correctly, your car is gonna slowly die, and that's what happens. You can get through it when you're younger. But then as you get older, it just wears it down more and more. So that's why we see it more as we age and not so much when we're younger. So do people um, know they have a problem typically or, or could you be walking around not even knowing you have an issue? So when we're younger, you, if there's no symptoms, you would never know. Okay. Um, you kind of have to have symptoms to know. But the symptoms would be like um, if a pelvic exam is painful, if using a tampon is painful, uh, leaking of course, what else? Urgency frequency. So going to the bathroom all the time, people tell me, well, I just have always had a small bladder. Well, do you really? Or is it just that you have bladder spasms? <laughs> um, the other one is sleeping through the night. Like you shouldn't wake up. If you are less than 65, you should not be getting up in the middle of the night to pee. It's just not normal. Um, okay. What about intercourse? So intercourse should always be pain-free. Um, nothing should be painful. Penetration, um, deep inside, it's, you shouldn't be sore after. Um, yeah, if any of those are the case, then there's definitely probably some pelvic floor dysfunction involved with that. Okay. And what about for children? What are you seeing them for? So for children, it is more for uh, chronic bedwetters. So those kids that just have to wear the pull-ups at night or the kids that uh, mom and dad say, well, we potty trained him, but he never has really quite been completely dry. Um, one of the stemming factors for that is chronic constipation. And for one reason or another, um, the child has started holding 
which then makes it when they have to have a bowel movement painful. Well, no kid wants to hurt, so then he holds it more, and they can have no symptoms for a long time. Um, little girls, if they have chronic UTIs, same with, you know, as women, if we have chronic UTIs and they are E. coli, then more than likely it's due to constipation. It has nothing necessarily to do with hygiene. Um, you can be as clean and have the best hygiene, but if you have bacteria in that rectum, it's only a couple inches to get to that urethra and you're going to end up with a UTI. Um, so I work a lot with retraining those muscles. So I have a little computer device that I use called biofeedback. And so the kids, um, I love it because I have this big TV screen and we put little stickers on them. And then they play a game essentially. I teach them how to activate those muscles and how to let go. And if they squeeze hard enough, usually it's a spaceship or whatever we're using or a balloon, we'll go up into the sky and they love it. And then I'm like, okay, now make it touch the ground again. And they can see that. And then we learn how to use that. For mom and dad, it's a little bit tougher because I have to teach mom and dad, all right, now you gotta watch their water, you gotta do, watch their food. I teach him some breathing, I teach him some exercises. So it's a lot on mom and dad for the kids, but um, ultimately in the long run, that kid's gonna appreciate it because most of the women I see that have pelvic pain or pain with sex, they tell me, well, yeah, I've always kind of struggled with, as a child with urgency frequency, um, you know, I've always been constipated, that type of thing. So usually you see these symptoms as a kid. It just doesn't come out until you're an adult. Wow. And bottom line is people don't have to suffer any longer. And No, they don't. It's just how I am. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's what I hear. They, they tell me all the time, I thought that I just had to live with this. So well, Tell us yep. one of your cases that you just, or maybe a couple different cases that you've had. And... Um, gosh. So for a child, um, actually my own son. So it doesn't matter. I, you can know everything and it can still happen. So it has nothing to do with poor parenting. It just happens. So I have a seven-year-old and he, um, struggles. He struggles with bedwetting. And so I kind of had an idea what was going on and I looked into the constipation. Well, not I'm just mom, so of course he doesn't believe me. So to get him on board, we went to the urologist, we went through the continence program, and they helped amazing. But pretty much what they taught him was exactly what I was telling him. You know, you need to learn these muscles, you gotta do all this stuff. And now, it took about two years, but now he is starting to get dry, and he is so happy, and he's no longer scared to go to a sleepover. When his cousins come, he's no longer embarrassed, you know, to sleep in the same room. So that's been, that's what I love. That's one reason I love my job. Um, you told me a story one time about a couple, newly married or they were- Yes. Married. Tell us about that. Yes. So, and this is truly what kind of hooked me to pelvic floor PT is they were newly married. They were young and she came because she um, couldn't consummate the marriage. She couldn't have sex without it hurting. And so they truly had never had sex. And she was devastated and hurt and crushed. And, you know, her husband was trying to be supportive, but he didn't know what he could do to help. Um, and she came and she just didn't know what to do. And we worked on the breathing. I gave her some stretches. We did a lot of down training of the central nervous system. Um, we did some dilator work. I, and essentially, I also had to, you know, help her understand that it wasn't her fault, that it was nothing that she did, that, you know, we could get over this. This didn't have to be life. 
And it took a lot of hard work from both sides. And the day that she came back in with tears in her eyes and her husband came back too, and they gave me hugs because they were finally able to be intimate and pain free. Oh. And so it gave them back their relationship. Oh, it was yeah. wonderful. Amazing. <laughs> yes. How about for women who are going through menopause? Tell us a little bit more about that because I know a lot of my listeners are kind of in that age range and getting there. I'm going to be there <laughs> 10 years. So I'm curious, what am I going to be expecting or hopefully not, but yeah. Right. Well, there's just normal changes too. So menopause happens and we lose um, estrogen. And so estrogen increases the blood flow to those tissues. So your tissues do um, change. They atrophy a little bit just because of lack of blood flow. But that's one reason why it's so important to do your pelvic floor contractions, you know, on a daily basis. Keep them moving because you don't have that extra blood flow there. Um, Sometimes that can turn into painful sex as well. It's common. Um, sometimes it's using extra lubrication, again, just because you don't have the blood flow, but it can also be because those muscles become tight. So as they lose their blood, they're not stretching, they're not moving, the blood flow goes down and they tighten up. Uh, the other thing, another... Oh, sorry, can I interrupt you quick? Yeah. So is it kind of like you go to the gym, you lift, mu you lift weights, and so whatever muscle group you're lifting, blood flow goes to the area, and it, right. in, in response to that, you, you kind of have that growth in uh, and strength. Better blood flow helps with everything. Just better yep. blood flow. What are other ways you can increase blood flow to the area? Um, gosh, I, so using a uh, medication you get from your doctor, so the topical estrogen cream, but again, it's through your doctor because you have to make sure that it's appropriate for you. Um, there is some, uh, non-medication tools that you can use. Uh, like in my clinic, uh, I went to an intimate wellness, uh, conference and it was all about intimacy and making sure that we could do it without pain and without dysfunction as we aged. So they have a tool that um, the healthcare providers that go to this conference can sell. And it is a tool that increases circulation. So it has an LED light on it. And the protocol is you do it, gosh, three times a week to start with. And after 12, uh, 12 weeks, I believe, you go down to twice a week. And if you maintain that, it is shown to improve circulation, which ultimately then helps if there's any pain with sex. It helps with lubrication. Um, it helps with tissue vitability. Like you feel plumper again, like, um, and confidence too. That was one of the biggest things they didn't expect. They were like, women are just happier. They just are more, you know, confident in themselves because they're back to what they're used to. Yeah. Um, ability to have an orgasm, I would assume would correct as you have better blood flow as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's a common one I get too. And people are like, why is that? Well, an orgasm is just a contraction of those pelvic floor muscles. So if they're already tight or if they don't have the blood flow to contract, you're not going to have a good orgasm. So learning how to relax, getting that blood flow there helps immensely. Hmm. And another, a common symptom of menopause too is urgency frequency or estrogen again plays that factor. And so you'll have to start peeing all the time. And so then we do the mind over matter, but we calm down that bladder. And then I teach you urge suppression. I teach you how to get back control and trust your body again. Right. What are some of the things that people come to you for that they 
you're kind of like the first line of defense and if it doesn't help then they go to surgery what are some of those cases um leaking is a big one leaking and prolapse as well so like the internal organs are starting to fall i the most conservative is coming to pt and that is me figuring out do are we a straight strengthening program are we a relaxation and then we strengthen because ultimately at the bottom line it is a weakening but we got to figure out why um those ones ideally pt can help you know and i tell everybody you go to the gym every day you work out and get those muscles strong if you want to stay that strong then pt is lifelong you're going to do it every day okay. um same thing with uh gosh even pain like there's some uh surgeries that people have so endometriosis is a common uh condition that i treat uh, and ultimately yes surgery is the end result but a lot of the times i need to work on down training the central nervous system first i need to loosen the fascia that the connective tissue in the body all through the body makes everything move and glide amongst itself um, if you have inflammation or anything like that it's going to get sticky and then it's going to make everything pull on itself so we get that going we get you moving correctly we get you getting you know coordination back and then when the surgeon feels it's appropriate he does an, ex an excision surgery and tries to get all the endometriosis <laughs> endometriosis tissue out of there that is hard words <laughs> how much do you find that uh nutrition plays a role in your clients huge okay. huge um i try to promote uh anti-inflammatory eating so I tell people sugar is a huge inflammatory. Uh, most people are lactose intolerant. They just don't realize it. Um, so I try to tell them, you know, maybe cut back on your dairy, see how you feel. Gluten as well. A lot of people don't realize it. So um, anything inflammatory, I really promote, especially if pain is involved, you've got to calm down that system. And that is one of the biggest ones. Um, with endometriosis, it's a low potassium, low anti-inflammatory um, diet. And so I really push hard on that. Same thing with urgency of the bladder. So if you're going to the bathroom all the time, I'm like, you gotta calm the bladder down. You know, what you're putting in the body is going into that bladder. So no caffeine, no alcohol, like let's calm it down, just do water. Okay, so those so. are water stimulants. They make it contract. Correct, okay. yep. Yeah, so. That's interesting. I want to go back to one point you made about that conference you went to and the LED light therapy. Yeah. Is that red light therapy? It is. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I recently and just bought my own red light therapy from Jew. And so I'm excited to try it on various different areas of the body. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is great. It works. It's the one thing with the least amount of side effects that you can use. The bad thing is, is you have to use it consistently. Otherwise the effects go away. But I mean, think about it. That's the one thing you can do that without any bad side effects. Right. So if you combine increased blood flow with less stickiness of the blood due to a healthy diet and you yeah. combine the like therapies that you're doing on mm -hmm. top of that, uh, that people really can see such a big difference in a short period of time. I yes. Really. Incredible. And that's what I see. Like the people that are on board and ready to work hard because PT is not a passenger therapy. You have got to put in just as much work and do just as much as at home. And those people that, you know, are on board with it right away and do it, they see results really quickly. It's 
it's, it's nice. And it just, you know, gets them on board even further because they want to get healthier. They want to feel better. Yeah. Well, tell us about some of your work with men, because when we had a coffee date, you told me a little bit about what you do with men. And I was yeah. <laughs> say the least, not an everyday job. So I, right. I think that it's really fascinating when you have these, these bodybuilders. And so tell us about the case study you were telling me about that the guys, yes, the young college guy. Yeah. So, um, and I get surprisingly quite a few of these, what, um, young college guy, very fit, works out, you know, six or seven times a week. Uh, and all of a sudden starts getting, um, pelvic pain. And what I mean by that is like, they'll call it their groin or, um, a little bit of tailbone pain or even testicle pain. Um, usually it worsens with like deep squats or lunges or anything like that. And so then they'll kind of modify for a while. They're like, Oh, I just pulled a muscle. Well, pretty soon it doesn't go away. Um, and then some of these guys, they really try to rehab themselves first, but it'll get to the point where those muscles are so tight and so painful that then it's even painful to orgasm. Because again, all those muscles, that's what does an orgasm is those muscles. And if they're already tight, they can't tighten any further. Um, so I, he came in and, you know, we kind of went head to toe and I looked at him, changed his diet a little bit, told him to stay away from the alcohol, stay away from the sugar, try and drink more water to flush his system, did um, uh, some, gosh, some strengthening, uh, more of like the hips, so around the pelvic floor to support it, did some breathing, did some stretching, and I do internal work as well. So there was some muscle releasing, and the only way you can get to those muscles um, is to do either a vaginal or rectal exam never fun, but if we can get the results from releasing those muscles, um, it's worth it. Uh, he was on board, so he did a ton of work at home as much as he could, saw him for a few visits, and when he left, yeah, he was pain-free, and he was back at the gym working out again. Wow. Um, yeah, it was amazing. He was so thankful. He was like, I thought my lifting days were over, and wow. yep. <laughs> so we just had to change it. I was like, just add a couple days of yoga in there, you know, keep with it. Don't get too tight again and we'll be good. Yeah. So I'm really curious to hear more about the brain body connection mm -hmm. and how you can help people kind of with their mind. I guess that subconscious brain can be controlling everything down there too. Definitely. So I use... Yeah. Um, a lot of the pain, um, and not even just the pain, but the urgency frequency, it upregulates your nervous system. So it's always stimulating it. It's always on. And it puts you kind of in a fight or flight mechanism. So I tell everybody, you stub your toe and all of a sudden just a stub toe that's like, ouch, it hurts, but no big deal turns into, I think I broke my toe. Um, and so that's what happens when you're in this chronic state of, you know, uh, fight or flight. So with the diaphragm breathing, with getting everything moving and stretched and more aware of how you're holding your body, even posture wise, um, taking a deep breath and relaxing those shoulders down, uh, that can calm down that nervous system. So a lot of people that I treat are more type A, they're go-getters, they you know, are productive members of society, they're ready to go and this is just holding them back and I have to teach them to don't forget about your body. You really need to look at it. You need to be aware. Um, when you go to bed at night, take time for you. Um, I do a lot of self-care. I'm like, 
take 10 minutes out of your day and just focus on you for a second. Yeah, speaking of that, what, what mm -hmm. do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, a lot of the like self-help people that I listen to, you know, my day is packed between work and little kids and then my husband being gone half the time. I don't get a lot of me time. But what I've been trying to do is I wake up early. I am not a morning person, but I try to wake up at 5 a.m. Um, that gives me time to have my cup of coffee, to kind of focus my day. Um, if I can get in a little bit of an exercise, if it's just a stretch or two, I'm thrilled. Or if it's just me focusing on, okay, this is what I have today. This is my game plan. It helps me start my day so I'm not just running. Um, and then also I do, I make time for my girls and my girlfriends. Uh, once a week I play volleyball um, and it is a great outlet <laughs> and I've done it my entire life. And um, yeah, I just love it. It, you know, every once in a while I'm like, oh, I have so many other things to do. I don't want to go. I could do all these other productive things. Well, when I don't go, I don't feel as good. By the time I get home, I just feel so much better. I'm revived and I'm ready to do another day. Oh gosh, I, I hear you. Last night we were with five other women and drinking wine and laughing. I don't think I've laughed that hard in several weeks, but it's just for the soul, right? So just yep. be around yep. girls, yeah. Yes. Of women that lift you up and make you feel good and yeah, for everything. And kind of get you out of your own head. You know, they have their own things going on too. So it's nice to hear that it's not just you. <laughs> yeah, it's a perspective. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yep, yeah, we're all busy, but uh, doing our thing and, and taking time for yourself is one of the biggest things I want to teach women in our No Bad Days group is that self-care is so important to your overall health and well-being. And then part of that is your physical body. So if your physical body is not healthy, one of the things you need to do is make an appointment with the doctor so that you can go see someone like Julia yeah. and start getting the work done that you, you've been putting off for a long time. So you're one of those people today who's been putting off getting treatment for any one of the things that you've heard today. I would really urge you to go see your primary care doctor right away to start that process of being able to see someone like Julia. And if you live in Spokane, Julia, why don't you tell them a little bit about where they can find you? Yeah. So Core Pelvic PT is located um, in the Valley. It's off the Argonne exit. Um, I made it that way. So it's super convenient for every, anybody coming from any direction. Um, and it's 1510 North Argonne and we're right in the middle of the complex there. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about how, insurance works because I know you and I've had a little bit of those conversations you've gone to bat with some insurance yes. companies to get approval so I have and I've been thrilled I had a big major one come back and say yes I'm sorry we didn't realize you were so specialized please we would love you to be part of our in-network group so it does pay off um that's the tenacity everybody's like really you're gonna go against it? and I'm like yes I am <laughs> and it worked <laughs> Good. um yeah, but so insurance, every insurance is a little bit different. Uh, Washington State, we are a direct access, so you can come to me directly um, off the street, but insurance will normally only pay for the first visit. It's that's, you know, the next visit that we need a doctor to either sign off on my plan of care, which is what I write that first day, or to send over a referral 
saying that they want you to do physical therapy. Um, even though I'm specialized and do pelvic floor, I fall under just physical therapy. So everybody, I, almost every plan covers physical therapy. There's only a very few that don't. Awesome. That's great to know. And where can people find you online? They want to connect online. So it's www.corepelvicpt.com. And then I'm on all the social medias too. So the at core pelvic PT after. Okay. So, Hey, Julia, why don't you tell us one more thing about men? Because I'm curious about prostate cancer and other things going on with them. And what would be your advice or things you want to tell us about that? Um, so prostate cancer is definitely something I treat both before and after surgery. And actually me and uh, Spokane Urology have just put together a little class that we're going to offer once a month and it's free to the public and it's, they're trying to get anybody that, you know, was diagnosed and is going to have surgery to do this prior to surgery. I'm going to teach them kind of what to expect in surgery, what's going to happen to their body and then what they should start doing now. So to help with leaking, because the prostate is one of the major organs for them to uh, keep them dry. And you don't, men don't know, there's no way of knowing if you use your prostate primarily or if they use their pelvic floor muscles primarily. And this is one reason after surgery, while men differ so much as far as one person was dry within a month when it took the other person, you know, up to a year to become dry. So I always tell them, you do your rehab, you know, before total knee, you do it before you go in and then you do it after. And it's the same thing for prostate surgery. We cover leaking, we cover muscles, we cover how to do it, then kind of the prescription around it. Um, and then we talk a little bit about ED too and what, again, blood flow, you need to get blood flow to that area. It's going to promote healing. Um, it's going to allow that nerve to regenerate a little bit faster because it's going to get the nutrients it needs. Um, so all those topics, and it's going to be open to both um, the person with prostate cancer and also the significant other because it doesn't only just affect them, it affects everyone involved. Interesting. Yeah. So I just had a friend who went through prostate cancer and mm -hmm. had his prostate removed, and I know that was a big concern that he would have erectile dysfunction, right? issues with um, incontinence the rest of his life, but he's come out on the other side just fine. But I didn't know that you did all that. So that's really interesting. <laughs> I would have referred him yeah. to maybe yeah. patients. I don't know, but <laughs> that's so fascinating. Thank you. For yeah. Sharing. So once a, a month class? It's going to be a once a month class. We're trying to get it going. So it's up and rolling in January. Okay. Yep. Did you say in person or online? It's going to be in person. So we're going to do it in the office so that people can ask questions. Um, yeah, just so people know where to go to ask anything that comes up. You know, is this normal? Is this not? That type of thing. Okay. Have a little bit more support. And when you said the prostate versus pelvic floor controlling the... Uh, the continence. Is it, which one is it supposed to be? <laughs> um, it could be either. So in men, yeah, men have three ways to stay dry. They have the sphincter, they have the pelvic floor, and they have the prostate. So whatever keeps them dry works, but it's when that prostate has to get removed. If they were the unlucky one that relied on that prostate primarily, well, now they need to learn how to rely on that pelvic floor. Okay. Yeah. I have one thing I would love for you to do for us before yeah. we go. And that is, could you teach us something like a technique, a breathing technique, or the kegels. 
<laughs> I don't um, know how, if this is something you could do fast or not, but yeah. Uh, yeah. What could so you the Kegel is the biggest one and it can be for men or women. I just change a little bit of the verbiage, um, but for women, so it's out there. Don't try to stop your flow of urine. Like once you start your flow, you're supposed to empty and relax. So don't try to stop it. Um, it's not a great way to know how strong you are anyways. I think you're just going to make yourself depressed by trying, especially if you really had to go. But to do a pelvic floor contraction, there should be no other, like you should not see any contraction in the body. So your tummy shouldn't be tightening. The butt shouldn't be tightening. Um, I see people's toes curling all the time. Shouldn't happen. One of the easiest ways is to take your hand, place it, even sitting, because you could feel it that way. Place it in between your legs. And you're just going to place it right in between, almost like you're kind of sitting on it a little bit. And then how I envision it is your pubic bone. So that hard spot right in front of your, right at your waistband almost, you're going to grab it like it's a string. You're going to grab and then you're going to lift up. So it's a two part. It's a grab and a lift. And it's really subtle. And what you should feel under that hand that you're sitting on is a little pressure release. Not a big movement like this. It is just a little pressure release. And then you should be able to hold it there for 10 seconds, breathing, and then you can drop it. Okay. So, yep. So <laughs> is the hand, the hand that's detecting the rocking of the, or the uh -huh. pressure release, is that on yeah. the back side or the front, going on the front? I do it on the front. Okay. That is, yeah. So I put my hand, so your fingers should be right in between right in the middle, the perineum. So right in between the okay. vagina and the yep. rectum. Okay. Yep. So that's right where your hand should be. And you should grab, it's a grab and a lift. And when I tell people that they kind of get that, you're lifting everything up. Okay. Um, so you're not actually grabbing and lifting. You're like theoretically it's a visualize. Yep. grabbing and lifting. And so you should feel the uh, pelvic bone move away from your hand. Is that what you're not the bone the the, the soft tissue in between. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. So the pelvis stays, stays stationary. Don't let it rock forwards or backwards. It stays there. And then just that muscle in between that hammock, that hammock should go from a nice hammock to a flat floor. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So if somebody's yep. in your office, you're using biofeedback to determine if they're doing this correctly, right? Yep, definitely. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, really interesting. I'm like, hmm, on a scale of one to 10, how well would I do? I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know, it's scary. Well, the first time I went to a course, I mean, that's the number one thing we treat and so that we learn how to do it. That's when I realized I wasn't doing it correctly. So yeah, even me, I had to read, I'm like, nope, Julia, that was wrong. So yeah, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Oh, it's good to get the therapy you need first, and then you can go home and do your practice, and then come exactly. back, see if you're doing well with your biofeedback, and then, you know, that kind of give and take and back and forth until you've got it down. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, is there anything else that you want to add? Oh, I think we covered most of it. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Well, thank you again for being on the show, and I really appreciate your time. This was really fun. Thank yeah. you.